Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the most important words that's not in the Bible, but demonstrated in the Bible, is partnerships. Now, we hear people say all the time, well, the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but it sure is saw, seen, and it sure is taught. Uh, the gather, the gathering away of believers that in you know in Latin as rapture, the word's not there, but the gathering away is. We don't. There's different opinions on when that might happen, but there is a gathering away and being caught up. Well, there's partnerships all in the Bible. Here at AFR, partnerships means the world to us. We partner with different ministries that preach the word here on our radio station, on the network. But we also have, I would say, mission partners in the area of the, the Truth for Youth Bible giveaway, uh, Preborn. They're so vital. Operation Christmas Child. These are all partners that we have decided that we want to work with and share in the gospel. So partnership is important. So our host, our co-host today is Nathan Harper. And Nathan, partnerships are, they're just part of God. Does the Trinity kind of show partnership? Yeah, it really does. It does, It's a a relationship. um, It's a community. And there's, uh, you know, work that happens and is accomplished. And um, and actually, depending on your English translation, uh, you know, the version of the Bible that you might have, you could find the word partnership there. Um, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And what we want to do is for the rest of our time is look at Philippians chapter 1 and talk about the importance of gospel partnerships, what happens when there's a good gospel partnership between, you know, it could be individuals working together as a team. It can be churches. It could be ministries uh, or any combination of all of those uh, to to basically see great commission obedience, you know, to f- fulfill that of making disciples of all the nations. Um, and so before we dive into the, to the text, um, let's just, you know, off the top of my head here, let's try to answer why are partnerships necessary for great commission obedience. Um, and the simple answer is because God doesn't intend for one individual to do it all, you know. Uh, but let me give you seven quick reasons. Why are gospel, why are partnerships necessary for great commission obedience? Number one, the Lord expects it. <laughs> Number two, the world needs it. Third, the Bible directs it. Fourth, the task demands it. Five, the enemy cannot stop it. Number six, the gospel requires it. And number seven, we cannot finish it alone. Amen. Okay, we have to do it together. So. That is great. I, I see that, and I, I just am overwhelmed with that because Jesus, I mean, he chose 12 and 
to partner yeah. with him. And after he left, he sent the Holy Spirit to fill them, quote, partner with them. So when you say the Bible teaches it uh, again and again, remember what it says in the book of Genesis? I'd say it starts from the very beginning. It's not good for man to be alone. Absolutely. And so partnership, uh, I, I agree with you, Nathan. It is vital. So as we look in uh, Philippians chapter 1 and, and notice what it talks about when it's uh, referring to uh, your partnership in the gospel, Paul is writing to the church there in Philippi. And I know this might, is this your favorite, uh, one of your favorite books of the Philippians Bible? Philippians is my favorite New Testament book. I, now, when I'm doing Exploring the Word, the other program I do, I, the book that I'm studying is usually my favorite at that time. But <laughs> if I had to choose the overall book, that I dearly love and to read, memorize from, it is Philippians. I remember being in college, and we were taking New Testament survey, but we had to do a, a, a report, an essay on one of the books of the Bible. I chose the book of Philippians. I think it fits my personality, yeah. you know, yeah. because Paul was encouraging them. Right. He wasn't having to get on to them. He was encouraging yeah. them to continue. A very on. positive yeah, kind and, of book. Yeah, I'm a cheerleader, you yeah. know. I'm, let's go. Let's take it. So, yes, to answer your question, you know it. I love okay. Philippians. Well, a little context here. Paul is writing, um, and you could say the central theme for the book of Philippians might be uh, Christ working unity in the church leading to joy. Uh, the idea of joy or rejoice is used over and over throughout the book of Philippians, 16 times actually. Uh, the second one, uh, most common phrase, is one mind. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so if you picked one verse in the book of Philippians to maybe be the primary theme verse, maybe Philippians 2 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord in a one mind. Uh, so, you know, the unity of the Philippian church would bring Paul joy. Uh, now, why would Paul be joyful? Well, the unity in the church is not the end result. The actual result of the church's unity and what brings Paul joy is because the witness that that unity brings, the witness of who Jesus is. Um, and the church would present the gospel to the world in such a compelling way in their unity and through their joy uh, that Christ would be lifted up and fulfills Jesus' prayer in John seventeen twenty three. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. So it's the church's love for one another that the world will recognize uh, us as followers of Jesus. That's why it's so important for a local church to demonstrate this. Um, pastoring as many years as I have, I found some good godly Christians sitting on the sideline outside of church for a while. Yeah. Uh, usually they get back in it, but mm -hmm. they take a, a break. A for hiatus. A hiatus. And a lot of times, you know why? Because there was conflict. Yep. And uh, if you have a certain kind of a personality, in, you know, uh, you'll, you'll run from conflict. Mm. And therefore they stepped aside. And that's why... I just want to admonish as many people, encourage as many people as I can. Uh, you know, you can disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah. Uh, you can resolve issues without bringing a sledgehammer to it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so uh, I say that truthfully. I, I don't, I think 
church fusses and conflicts has done a lot more harm than people could ever imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I love this partnership in unity. Rejoice. Read that again, Nathan. I, I really want to hear that. Philippians 2, 2, right? Yeah. It combines those two things. That's the themes yeah. in the book of Philippians. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. When you hear that word complete, in other words, he has the joy. Bring it to full. Bring it. Don't know. stop. Keep on. Yeah, that's right. Now, a little bit more in the context before we dive into our little points here. Uh, in chapter 1, notice that Paul is writing to all the saints at Philippi. Verses 1 and 2 says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So first point you need to kind of keep in mind background-wise is that the gospel ministry is for everyone. Okay, Paul addressed, listen to this, Paul addressed the ordinary saints before he mentioned their overseers or even the deacons. Okay, The first shall be last and the last shall be Yeah, I mean, it's significant that he didn't reverse the order. I think it was under the Holy Spirit's uh, inspiration that he ordered it this way. Our tendency today is to, is to see the ministry of the gospel reserved for just a select few. Yeah. Uh, maybe the ministers or church leaders or those who have been, quote-unquote, called or ordained. Uh, we see missions and ministry kind of through a top-down uh, lens, but that's a foreign mindset to the Bible, okay? So to Paul and Jesus and the other apostles, uh, your baptism is your calling. Um, and so you become a partner in the gospel to make disciples of all the nations. So anyway, there's a little bit of a background and context for Philippians. So as we jump in, we want to look at five essential elements in a gospel partnership. So the first one is that gospel partnerships must begin with prayer and thanksgiving. Uh, you want to read uh, Philippians 1, verses 3 through 6. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship or partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. So it's a prayer of of thanks, and it's a prayer asking for provision and grace that is found in Christ. So Paul's confidence was in Jesus uh, that he would continue working in the church in Philippi until that work was complete. Jesus is going to bring them to the end result. He's not going to leave them hanging. And Paul was confident in that. Uh, but praying for one another, trusting in Jesus to provide, uh, is important in, in any sort of partnership in the gospel. Whoever we're working with, working alongside, we need to pray. Pray for them and thank God for them. Um, thankful hearts for how God is working will lead to a stronger love for one another. You know, if you're thankful for someone, you'll, you'll grow in your love for them, right? You will. It's hard to be uh, thankful and not loving. <laughs> it is. You know? Those words in verse 6, two words that just stand out, begun, and complete. You know? Yeah. You got to begin. That's right. So we're talking to some people maybe today, they're saved, but they've never begun to start their journey of discipleship and service and missional. Start. You got to start, you know? Uh, you can't steer a parked car. Yeah. You, you've you don't got go to anywhere, begin. do you? You don't go anywhere. So start start that journey today. Yeah. You say, where can I serve? Listen, just serve people. 
And, you know, yeah. visit people, you know, welcome people. I mean, everything is important. One of the most important tasks in a church, you know what they say, greet one another, mm. is a greeter. I, yeah. I mean, I honestly say, have you ever gone on a church parking lot? And this is just for a church. And and there's people out there when it's raining, and there's men out there, and some women, too, I've seen, umbrellas. Yeah. And they're ready <laughs> to help you get in. Uh, yeah, the umbrella brigade. Yes. <laughs> what what a ministry. And you say, oh, I could do that. You know, you may not can do a lot of stuff now, God, but it's amazing what God to open up in these partnerships, That's isn't right. it? It is. And so starting is key, and the place to start is prayer. Um, you, you might be kind of doing stuff on your own or afraid to start because you feel alone and by yourself and not sure where to go. Pray for God to send somebody to open up a door for you to, to begin in your in your work. And so that's what we want to do, start with prayer, Um, prayer of thanks and provision. Um, The second point, the second uh, essential element in gospel partnerships is love. Without love, there can be no gospel partnership. So we said uh, praying for someone, with someone, being thankful for them will grow that love for them. But you cannot have a gospel partnership without, without that love. Uh, you can read Philippians. We're not going to read it right now, but verses 7 through 11 kind of talks about that. Uh, Paul says, How I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So Paul's all about love. You know, he gets a bad rap sometimes of being a little mean and, and, and tough, uh, but Paul has affection, and he yearns for the brothers and sisters to be with them in, in Philippi. Don't you um, think love's got to be tough sometimes? It does. It tough, is tough. To, you got to be tough to hang in there. Don't get your feelings hurt so easily. You know, Absolutely. hang in there. Be tough. Love that. And so here's a maybe a tough statement, but there is no excuse for a lack of love in the church. There's no excuse for it. Um, a lack of love is worse than any lack of food, clothing, or shelter. Without love, there can be no unity, and the gospel's witness is hindered without love in the church or between partners. Um, we're obligated to love those with whom we partner. So like any marriage or family relationship would be, love is crucial to a gospel partnership. Uh, I think the world is in desperate need of this love to be displayed, like to be lived out in front of them, to see it. Um, so like we said before, when church can't get along, it does more harm than than, than good, no matter what the church says. If there's... Uh, dysfunction and a lack of love, um, it, it harms the witness of the church. Nathan, this really, see if this registers with you. Uh, he wrote the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, we know that. But partnership, on the first missionary journey, it was Paul and Barnabas. And they had a disagreement about taking John Mark, but it doesn't seem like it was completely disagreeable, although the disagreed. So what they decided in place of having one missionary team, they would have two. And Paul would take Silas. And this is where he would get the call to go into Macedonia, where Philippi was. Mm. So so he's writing to these people who are just talking about partnership and in love, who through love overcame a disagreement with something good, not something bad. Right. There will be disagreements. Mm-hmm. Disagreements doesn't mean there's absence of love, but reacting to that and responding in the wrong way right. 
demonstrates yeah. no love. It's like shutting down the relationship. Exactly. Yeah, that's not exactly. what God calls us to yes. do. Um, notice that Paul uses the word affection in that verse. Um, so in other words, we're not only to love one another, we're called to try to like one another too. <laughs> and that's that's maybe harder sometimes. It is sometimes. But I think if you love someone, you can learn to like them too. Um, you, you find what you look for many times. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, the third essential element in a gospel partnership, okay? And we're talking about ways that Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, can work together for the gospel, to advance the gospel, to see uh, disciples being made of all the nations. Uh, The mission task that's in front of us requires partnerships. So when we do have a partnership, uh, whether you're entering into a new partnership or you have an established partnership and you're working with another group or another person, what are some essential elements to guide that gospel partnership? So the third one is then we take that love for one another and we see that it will cause us to encourage one another to continue in the gospel partnership with confidence. Okay, so we have encouragement and confidence as a result of that love. So we pray and we're thankful. That leads to love. That love will then give us encouragement and confidence for one another. You can find these uh these points in verses 12 through 21. So we're looking in Philippians chapter 1, and I just want to read verse 22. Um, it says, Now if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. Um, and so, you know what? I skipped to the fourth point. The third point is actually, like I said, 12 through 21. Most of the brothers, having become more confident in the Lord, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So that's what I meant to say. All right. The love for one another gives us confidence and courage. Is that, do you think that's why I sent the apostles out two by two, mm. encouraging yeah. one another? Yeah. Uh, I don't know of a place where he sent them out alone, you know. Mm. Because we need the encouragement. Encouragement and accountability kind of go together. Uh, If you're trying to get encouragement from someone and they're not holding you accountable to love the Lord and seeking the Lord, you know, I think it's kind of one-sided or out of balance. So the encouragement is so much important. Uh, Listen to verse 15 in that scripture. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. And he says the former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, but he says the latter speak in love. And but he says, I praise God that the gospel is preached. Yes, is that the essence of encouragement of partnership? He said, uh, even though we're not working together the way we should, and I'm wondering about what you're trying to accomplish. It encourages me that the gospel's being proclaimed. Yes, absolutely. Paul's writing these words from prison. So he can't be with them right now, uh, but he's with them in spirit. And he's, he's, his love for them is he's wanting that to bring encouragement and confidence to them. Uh, boldness is basically the biblical word you're, we're is. looking for. Um, and so think about that. Does your love, does my love for my brothers and sisters, my partners in the gospel, does my love for them give them boldness? It should. It should. Where do I find my boldness? Well, I can find it one place is through the love of my brothers and sisters as we serve together, as we work together. Courage and boldness are sure signs that God, that the gospel worker feels loved 
and supported by the church, just like Paul did. Even in prison, he felt loved and supported by the church at Philippi. And so he had courage and he had boldness. Um, Now, there were times Paul felt discouraged and alone. In those times, it was the believers who had abandoned him. There's, There's passages throughout the New Testament about that. And let me just say this. There's too many missionaries on the mission field. There's too many ministers in the church that feel that same way. They feel discouraged. Um, And sometimes they feel discouraged in the middle of the local church's busyness. You know, they they have that business as usual, the busyness as usual. And they forget that the most important task of equipping and encouraging their partners. Um, So let's let our love bring boldness and courage to each other. I've just got to speak, uh, pastoring as many years as I did, the number of people that I that encouraged me is so great. Uh, this is before emails and text, and then I'd get a, a little envelope, and it, it was addressed now, and it had identifying where it was coming okay. from. You, you always wonder those that don't put the return address on what what those anonymous I'm letters, yeah, anonymous yeah. letter. But these did, and I'd open it up. It'd just be a note and said, "I'm praying for you. Mm. Uh, your message really encouraged me. Your presence at at my mom or my dad's." funeral service, a hospital, really touched my life. Uh, Nathan, those those encouragements, they do go a long way. Absolutely. All right, so fourth essential element in gospel partnerships. Now back down to where I wanted to go, verse 22. (laughs) If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So this encouragement that we give one another plays out in the gospel partnership through continued faithfulness and more fruitfulness. So what are you encouraging each other to do, to remain faithful? And we know, we believe, it's in Scripture, it's a promise. When we're faithful, there will be fruit. Fruitfulness follows faithfulness. And a lot of times it's come later than you think. It does come later. How many times we've talked about William Carey and others that went to the mission field and did not see immediate results? But the second-generation missionaries that followed up, they were, yep. they saw the fruit of the labor. So sometimes we don't see the fruit un- until later on, yep. you know? And, and that shouldn't discourage us. That's right. That, that should not discourage those of us that are working. If we're faithful, loving, sharing, God's going to bring it about in time. That's right. So how can we see encouragement of one another, uh, bring that faithfulness. Um, And I'm going to use a word here that some people are scared of, but if it's done biblically, it's it's a good thing. It's the word accountability. (laughs) There's got to be accountability between partners. Now, biblical accountability is a balance and mix of encouragement and challenge. If you have only encouragement without any challenge, there's no accountability. People will feel good about doing whatever they want to do, maybe not the right things. But if there's challenge without encouragement, they're going to feel beat up and burdened by a lot of um, you know, external things that are maybe missing the point as well. So there's got to be that mix, that balance of biblical encouragement, biblical challenge to see a good accountability. And in our partnerships, the result will be faithfulness and then fruitfulness for the glory of God. Um. The fifth one, every successful gospel partnership 
will see suffering service as a necessary part of the struggle. Why do we need that encouragement and that love and that unity and that prayer? Because we're going to suffer. When, we, when one of us suffers, we all suffer. In gospel partnerships, when you're on the front lines of mission and ministry, you're going to have some suffering in your service. Uh, this is in verses 27 through 30. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now here I still have. If we think gospel work is easy work, then we're greatly mistaken. Uh, there's difficulties, sometimes even casualties. All partners must see themselves as engaged in the same conflict. You know, it's not the persecuted church and the free church. It's just the church, and we're, we, have, we have persecution when any of us go through persecution. Is that the reason my, Paul sometimes would call the church the body? Mm. Because right. uh, when I uh, mash my thumb— my other hand comes and holds it, and my feet start start jumping up and down, yes. and my mouth starts saying, oh, oh. You, you catch, and, and the Scripture says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes. That's partnership, isn't it? It is. It is. So these are the five essential elements, and it leads to one ultimate goal in a gospel partnership. It's the advancement of the gospel to those who have not heard. That's the ultimate goal in a gospel partnership. You can find that in verses 12 through 13. It says, What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest. So even as Paul was in prison, the gospel was being proclaimed to those even in the prison, even to the guards, and it, and it spreads from there. So unless we forget, gospel work requires suffering through our service but it also requires partnership through it all. Um, a gospel partnership for Paul meant that suffering and sacrifice. In the same way, the Philippian church was called to suffer and sacrifice along with him. So the church, in the middle of all that, could still rejoice with Paul in their sufferings because the gospel had become known. And that's our prayer. That's our work. And that's what we're partnering up to do, right? We're not doing it alone. None of that can happen by ourselves. Isn't it amazing that God would partner with us so we can partner with others? Uh, in Ephesians, it says of that one body, one, you know, one baptism, that demonstrates that partnership that we have. So, Nathan, thank you for leading us through this. And, and I would suggest looking at Philippians chapter 1, as, as you've seen it, as, as Nathan has developed that for us in these five elements that are essential for the gospel to be carried out. And so we're praying that God would use this in your life, encourage those around you and partner with them to accomplish all that God wants you to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, just simply ask God, who's doing some good work in the gospel right now? And is there a way I can partner with them? And by asking him to show you that, you're, you're committing to encourage and to love and support those people. Uh, maybe you're the one that needs support. Ask God to send you some partners. Yeah. Uh, but the work must go on. The gospel must be proclaimed to all the world. Henry Blackaby said it this way. A great, great teacher said, find out where God is working and join him. Join someone in carrying out the gospel to a world that is desperate to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. 
thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and may God bless you on your mission as you complete his task in your life.